find it on page 1156 in your Bibles. Chapter 3. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you in wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in these last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul wrote to you in the, with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes in the same way in all his letters, speaking, on in, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be all glory, both now and forever. Amen. Brilliant. Colin, thank you so much. Can anyone doubt that Colin read that with real understanding? I love the way Colin reads. It's a model to us all, actually. He clearly had read the text beforehand, kind of lived it, so he can read it with real understanding and insight and passion. Thank you, Colin, for the sort of preparation you put into that reading. Uh, these notes uh, are on the back. Here, there's last week's notes that Will prepared, and then uh, notes this week for the house groups, if you want to kind of follow up 
what we're uh, thinking about here uh, in Peter's letter to these scattered Christians. And also as we think about our our core value of um, compassion, we've been looking at adoration, belonging, and compassion. And uh, we, we can follow those up in discussions and so on in our midweek groups. If you're not in a midweek group, a house group, and you'd like to be, you want to sort of have a little taster, just even just a sort of, let me just go for once and, and see what it's like. Come and see me or Will or maybe Katie, uh, Alan at the back, and we can um, kind of place you in, uh, sort of suggest a group that you could go to just to see what they're like. Um, we kind of put out the food on a Sunday, and midweek is where we really digest it. So with that in mind, let's, let's pray together. I'm simply going to ask that God will take these words of Scripture and apply them to our hearts and minds this morning. Father, we sung hallelujah. <clears throat> you are worthy of our praise. Father, we want to, our lives to match our words, our praise. We want to live in such a way that we demonstrate something of your goodness and your love to people around in a hungry, thirsty, needy world. So teach us now this morning, we pray. Illuminate our hearts and minds with fresh understanding from your word. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now hopefully you've got that... um, passage in front of you. I'm going to refer to it uh, shortly on page um, 1156. But just turn back a few pages to to the first letter of Peter, chapter 3, page 1153. So if you keep a finger in one, and um, I'd love to just draw your attention to this verse, verse 15. It's a kind of top right-hand bit of the page of chapter 3. Peter says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. As we think about compassion, we think about loving others as Jesus loved. I want to talk a little bit about the context in which we do that, the way in which we do that. By setting uh, setting aside in our hearts Christ as Lord and being ready to give the reason for the hope that we have. Talking about Jesus to others. Demonstrating something of God's love, God's justice, God's compassion will be fueled, I want to suggest this morning, by the hope that we have within us. What is hope? What is hope? How would you define hope? Peter says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. So what is hope? Hope is a word, a term, an image that has a future orientation. I looked it up in my definition in my dictionary. It is to cherish a desire of good with some expectation of fulfillment. And implicit there is the desire of good has not yet happened. I want something to happen and I long for something to happen. I desire that it should happen. And and it's a concrete word. It's not just, well, maybe it will, maybe it won't. No, 
is, there's some confident expectation that that which I long for will come to pass. So it's a little bit more. In our language, we've watered it down a little bit in, in our culture. You know, I, 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 hope, I hope Philem win away again. Or just once would do. It's, you know, we talk about a forlorn hope. Oh, I hope it won't rain, you know, but I'll probably pack a cag and an umbrella. I'll make alternative plans. It's, it's rather anemic, a bit flimsy. What about Christian hope? What about the hope that Peter is talking about here? It's so much more certain. It's on such a greater conviction. It's so much more assured. Be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks for the reason of the hope that you have. The reason for the hope that you have. It's concrete and it's assured and it's based, it's rooted in the coming of Jesus Christ. Both in the past and in the future. Hope looks back and looks forward. It looks back to the manger. It looks back to the cross. It looks back to the empty tomb and it sees what God has done in human history in Jesus Christ. He came to us as a man. He lived, he taught, he loved, he healed. He demonstrated the kingdom supremely as we've sung this morning. He died for us, our sins forgiven, the debt cancelled. And God raised him to brand new life. Hope rose. And as we join ourselves to Christ, as we join ourselves in Christ, so we die his death to live his life. All of that based on looking back. But hope is also based on the promises of Jesus, which we can now trust in, steadfast and sure, because he's done what he said he would do. So when he promises in the future, we can trust him. He will come again. Hope is also secured in our future anticipation, our desire that we too will be raised with him. That we will join with others in worshipping him in glory in heaven. Hope looks back and hope looks forward. And anchored, if you like, by those two points in the past and the future, we are sustained and nourished in the present. And that's where faith comes in. Because whilst we can look back at the event in history at the past, a man who lived in Palestine, we can look to a cross, an empty tomb. We have to take by faith that which is yet to come. We have not seen Christ return. Or if we die before he returns, we have not seen him face to face. We have not seen heaven in all its realized glory. And so we have to take that by faith. The writer of the Hebrews says, faith is being sure of what we hope for. And as we exercise the muscle of faith, hope grows in us. I wonder whether we've neglected this future element of our hope. I wonder whether our hope is somewhat anemic as Christians. 
Because whilst we confidently look back and we sing in our songs and much of our liturgy, our communion liturgy, encourages us to look back to the Last Supper, to the death of Christ, to that uh, extraordinarily significant moment in his life and in our history. I wonder whether we spend enough time looking forward. It's, it's great, just uh, the songs we were singing. Uh, I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on. There will be an end to these troubles. Uh, when Christ shall come and take me home. Future aspect to the substance of hope. But I wonder whether we've neglected that muscle a little bit. I, I've been telling a few people recently, I've um, kind of joined an, a, a gym uh, in, in, an, in an effort to keep fit. I've had to give up running because of, of my knees. So I can't sort of keep fit in other ways. And I tried this um, class they laid on. It was called, it went by the title, Body Pump. You want to be very aware of anything called body pump. Actually, if you, if, if, in a, if you went in a hospital, you'd be very wary, wouldn't you? But um, in a gym, I tell you, it's no better. And uh, there was this lycra-clad woman at the front... So, well, she was, I, don't, I was going to try, and, I'm not sure there's another word to describe her, but it was just scary. She was scary. And I found myself, I looked around, and there's this great big mirror. The whole wall in front of you is a mirror. So you could, you're kind of very conscious. I was sort of, you know, trying to sort of disappear to the back here. And I was conscious I was the only, I got a sort of daytime pass. I was the only bloke in this class, and all the others <laughs> were, were women. And, and it basically involves, it involves a whole lot of exercises with this kind of bar. It's a kind of waist bar, and you, put, you can vary the weights that you put on, and they're color-coded. So, like, purple is like a great big, heavy weight. And it goes, I think it goes to orange, then green, and then yellow. <laughs> Little weight you put on the end there. And uh, I could see these, these ladies, they were kind of stacking up with sort of, you know, oranges and greens. And I thought, I'm not going to get outdone here. So, uh, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll go for a purple and a green and an orange, ladies. I couldn't even pick the bar up. <laughs> and it, there was one exercise in particular, I have got quite spindly arms, but it's one, there's one exercise where for about three or four minutes you're just working the triceps, these muscles here, and you kind of do it, but you, you've got, you hold this bar and you're lying down on, on, a, on, your, on a sort of bench, and you're just, you're just doing that. So you keep that bit still and you just do that for about, well, it felt like about five and a half years. And, this way, and I, again, I could see in the mirror, and by now I'd got a little bit wise, and I had the lightest weight in the whole class. All these women were confidently sort of like, And then we had to put the bar down, and you take a peg and you go like this. And it does the same thing. And I couldn't believe... Uh, afterwards, I went, for a, I went for a swim, and they've got the, one of these things where you can... It's like a spin dryer, so you put your trunks in. And what you do is you put it in there, and you close the lid, and it spins the thing around. I couldn't, my, my triceps were so sore, I couldn't even close the lid. <laughs> I had to kind of just do it with my chin like that. So I walked out, I just so stiff the next two days. And it made me realize there are muscle groups in my body that I have completely neglected. I, I count myself as so relatively fit, relatively healthy. And yet, as this class demonstrated to me amply, I, there are elements of my physical being that I've completely neglected. They've atrophied. I wonder whether we've done the same thing with our spiritual life and with hope. We're quite confident, I want to suggest, as we look back to what Jesus has done. But are we as confident in, in our desire and our longing and our trust of what Jesus will do 
Are we as secured, rooted, nourished and fed by what he will do according to his word as much as what he's done? Or have we allowed that to atrophy a little bit? Our Christian disciplines, our Christian liturgy helps us. The patterns of our worship. I've mentioned our sung worship. Uh, pointing us ahead to future glory as much as to what God has done in Christ. But communion, when we take communion every Sunday at 8 o'clock, you're very welcome to come, uh, about once a month uh, at this service too. And communion, that meal, we focus on Jesus and we think back to his last supper before that eternal sacrifice that he made on the cross here on earth. But it's also an anticipation as we take the bread and the wine, which is hardly going to sustain us in the present. But spiritually, it helps us to look forward in anticipation to that great feast in heaven itself. Heaven portrayed so often in the Bible as a great banquet, overflowing with food and wine. So the disciplines, the the liturgies of our church, back and forward to sustain us in hope in the present. Peter talks in um, uh, just the introduction to his letter, just over the page, verse 1 of chapter 1, to God's elect, this letter, exiles scattered through the provinces of, and he, he names various of them, pilgrims in this land, because our real home is heaven, future-oriented, hope. Heaven is home. Earth is just temporary residence. So don't get too secured here. Secure yourself in hope for the future, for what is yet to come. Now on to these scoffers. Uh, Chapter 3 of 2 Peter. Verse 3, Peter says, Look, above all, you must understand that in the last days the scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own desires. They'll say, where is this coming, he promised. Scoffers then, scoffers now. He's not coming back. There's no hope. You might as well live for the now. Go to not the cathedrals in our great city that point to God. You might as well spend the day shopping in the cathedral miles that point to you and to everything that you can have now. Because he's not coming. There's no future. There's no hope. And Peter warns them. In chapter 3, as we heard so beautifully read, well, hang on. Don't misunderstand God's time scale and his timing. A day to the Lord is like a thousand years, or a thousand years like a day. You don't, don't think that God's forgotten. Don't think that God is sort of, you know, it's, just, it's on the back burner. He's out of our time frame. And he can tum, come at any time as he's promised, like a thief in the night when you're least expecting him. So be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Be prepared, Peter says. And it's why the Spirit is key. The Holy Spirit. Christ was crucified and then raised by the Spirit, Peter says in the first letter, chapter 3. And it's the Spirit who opens our inner eyes to enable us to see through the eyes of faith the concrete reality of this future hope. 
We can trust in him. The spirit itself is, is, is very future-oriented. He comes as a down payment or a deposit. It's the first little bit guaranteeing the rest. And so the spirit, a deposit, a down payment in us, guarantees that the rest is to come. So our whole projection, our whole trajectory, our whole focus is forward-oriented. What God has given us in, in part, we will one day have in whole. And it's that mindset, it's that heart, it's that spirit that sustains us in the present, amid test or trial or suffering. Because we know it's only temporary in relative terms. We know one day it will come to an end. And we know that one day a new heaven, a new earth, and that which God is working in each and every one of us will be utterly completed we will be transformed. We will be like Jesus, compassionate, loving as he loves. And so in anticipation of that hope, we practice that now. We live as Jesus lived. We love as Jesus loved. Because one day, that hope will be reality. Two years ago, on the terraces of Craven Cottage, I'm aware there's a, there's, there may be, I know there's a QPR fan um, who's he's thinking of joining us. I've been meeting with him, and I know there's a Chelsea fan here today, and there may be one or two others as well. So you're just going to have to bear with me. Two years ago, Fulham in the second leg of the UEFA Cup against Juventus, 3-1 three, three down from the first leg. And uh, within the second minute of the second leg, Juventus go and score an away goal. They're 4-1 up on aggregate. Fulham need to score four goals against Juventus. Juventus are the former giants of Europe. They've won the Champions League or the equivalent of the Euro European Cup. Goodness knows how many times. They've won the Italian League. Goodness knows how many times. They've got Italian internationals all over their squad. And they're 4-1 up. There's a guy who'd come a little bit late. He'd come just as they'd scored their goal, two minutes after kickoff. And he said, oh, I might as well go home. There was just all around, there was despair. His shoulders were like that, and we thought, well, let's just, let's just watch 90 minutes of the Italians running all over us. And then, Bobby Zamora. And then Bobby Zamora again. 2-1 up at half-time, and there's hope. Shortly after the second uh, uh, half-time, second half, penalty, Zoltan Gira from the spot dispatches it 3-1 and we're level on aggregate. We're level on aggregate. And because we've got the away goal, it cancels out their away goal. It's 4-all on aggregate. And with about, I think it was about 15 minutes to go, Clint Dempsey, may his name be revered forever, Clint Dempsey, on the edge of the box, takes the ball, not like Jesus, but takes the ball, <laughs> chips it, and this ball takes about 17 years just to float through the air, past the outstretched hand of the keeper and into the back of the net. 5-4 on aggregate. And here's the thing. Ecstasy around the Fulham faithful. And this incredible sense that despair could be transformed into utter joy and rejoicing but we've got to live in hope because the final whistle hasn't blown. We're looking back to what's happened, the goals from Zamora, 
and Gera and Dempsey. They've put us in a winning position, but we've still got to look forward because we've still got a game to play. There's 11 minutes. These Italians, they want to go through too. Juventus want to win. They're going to attack. There'll be tests and trials. It'll be hard. We'll ooh and we'll ah as a crowd. But underneath the ooh and the ahs, As a Fulham fan. <laughs> underneath the oohs and the ahs, underneath the nail-biting, there's hope. There's hope and it's rising because we're waiting for that whistle and surely one day, we don't know when it's going to blow, but one day the final whistle will blow and then the hope will be realized. That which we've longed for, that which we've desired, will become our reality. And in a similar way, Peter says, he puts it as a statement. Let me put it as a question as I finish. Have you set apart Christ as Lord in your heart? Christ who died, Christ who is risen, alive, reigning, Christ who will come again. Is your heart anchored on that reality? The reality of Christ who came, is present, will come again. Are you ready? Are you prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have? Do you have that hope? Are you, are you kind of exercising it? <laughs> Is it growing stronger in you, more real, such that it pours out of you? by the Holy Spirit. This is a prayer that Paul prays for the Romans and, and uh, the church in Rome, and I'll finish with this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Nourishing ourselves and feeding with compassion a hungry and needy world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as the, uh, as the band come up um, to uh, lead us in a final song, shall we stand together? I'd invite us as we, uh, as we sing this last song together to um, 